Amen. All right, well, we're there in Second uh, Kings chapter number two, and of course tonight we are continuing our Sunday night series uh, on the subject of when animals attack in the Bible. And uh, this series kind of started as a joke. I was joking around with the guys after the service one day about doing a series about all the different stories in the Bible of when animals attack. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, I probably could preach a whole series out of that. And there's a lot of interesting stories like that. And, of course, we took a break for a little bit for the last, co- last couple Sunday nights. Uh, but tonight we're going to uh, get back into it. Tonight we're looking at the story of the two she-bears and the cursed children. If you look there, Second Kings chapter 2, and look down at verse number 23, the Bible says this, And he, and of course this is Elisha, uh, went up from thence unto Bethel, and this is after Elisha has, I mean, we just read the chapter, but this is after Elisha has uh, received the mantle, he's received the, 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 the spirit of, of Elijah, and he is now the prophet, the leader of the prophets. It says that he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children. And I'm not preaching on the King James issue tonight, but let me just say this. You know, we are King James only, and what that means is that we don't change the Bible. And today, you know, you'll have people who try to change this. I'm not saying they change it. They may in other versions. I didn't look. But you'll, you'll have uh, uh, preachers that will stand up and try to say, oh, well, these little, they weren't really children. They were, you know adults or they were 17 years old or whatever and you know i would just say this it says little children don't change it uh there came forth little children is what the bible says out of the city and mocked him and these little children are making fun of him and said unto him go up thou bald head and apparently elisha was bald and they're mocking that and you know you get around with little kids you find that this is not uncommon children can be very cruel when it comes to uh, bullying and making fun. And this is what they're doing to the man of God. They're, uh, they're, they're coming up to him out of the city and they mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears, two mama bears, out of the woods and tear. Now notice this. Forty and two children of them. This was like a street gang of children. Forty and two children, you know, that were coming out and assaulting uh, the man of God, mocking him, uh, making fun of him, and then he curses them, and then God sends these two bears to kill these children, to, to tear them apart. And what we find here is uh, with these 40 and 2 uh, uh, rebellious children is that God hates rebellion in children. Uh, go to the book of Leviticus, if you would, uh, towards the beginning of the Old Testament. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 20. These are little brats. These are punks. They're these little kids, that these little children that are cruel and mean. They're mocking If they're doing this to the man of God, you can only imagine what they're saying to other kids and to each other. These are bad children. These are undisciplined children. These are rebellious children. And when Elisha, the man of God, curses them, God sends two she-bears out of the wood and tear 40 and two children of them. You say, why would God do this? You know, I believe that God is trying to show us and magnify to us that God hates rebellion in children. Leviticus chapter 20, God hates rebellion, period, but he definitely does not want it in our children. Leviticus chapter 20, if you would, look down at verse number 9. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 9, the Bible says this, For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his children or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Look, if these laws were enacted today in our society, it would change the landscape. Uh, you know, it would change your shopping experience when you're stuck in, you know, behind that mom that refuses to spank her children. Uh, the Bible says, look, if you curse your father or your mother, God puts a death penalty on that. So obviously, you know, that shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us that God sends two she-bears when they're, when they're mocking uh, the man of God. It says, everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Go to Deuteronomy 21, if you would. You're there in Leviticus. You're going to go past the book of Numbers into the book of Deuteronomy. You say, well, what's the big deal about having, you know, little children? Because when I think of, 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 of a little child, 
you know, little children is like like four to ten years old, right? Four to eleven years old. That's probably the age range in which these, maybe not four, but the age range, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, that these kids were in. You say, well, what's the problem with having a little punk? 10-year-old, the problem with having a little punk 10-year-old is that that punk 10-year-old turns into a punk 20-year-old. The problem with having a, a, a brat of an 8-year-old is that that 8-year-old brat becomes an 18-year-old brat. Deuteronomy 21 and verse 18, the Bible says this, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, Deuteronomy 21, 18, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when he hath chastened him, will not hearken unto him. So here we have a rebellious son, uh, a stubborn son. He's, his, his parents, he won't obey. His parents are chastening him, and he still won't listen. Verse 19, Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of the city, and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This is our son, or excuse me, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard, and all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And again, today, you read that today in the average uh, uh, church, and people are going to be like, I can't believe you're saying that. You know, that's what the Bible says. That's, how, that's the laws that God enacted. And look, if you had these laws, you probably have kids that were uh, more well-behaved. But if they're stubborn and rebellious and they won't listen, God puts the death penalty. And obviously this is an extreme. And I believe in Deuteronomy 21, we're probably dealing with older children because it says that their son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, so probably an older kid. But again, the problem with a 17-year-old brat, uh, excuse me, a 7-year-old brat, is that they turn into a 17-year-old brat. These kids grow up to be these monsters, and we see God coming down pretty hard, sending two she-bears to tear 40 and two children, little children. Uh, the Bible telling us that his blood shall be upon him if a kid curses his father or his mother. The Bible telling us here that the death penalty was placed upon a stubborn and rebellious son. Go to Proverbs, if you would, Proverbs chapter 30. If you start from the center of the Bible, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30, look at verse number 17. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 17. The eye that mocketh. Say, so how do you mock with your eyes? It's called rolling your eyes. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. Here's another animal. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles, here's another animal, shall eat it. This is what God thinks about your little rolling your eyes, teen. You're rolling your eyes at your dad, rolling your eyes at your mom, rolling your eyes at your authority. The Bible says, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the eagle shall eat it. And again, I just want to show you and I want to emphasize that God thinks very uh, 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 harshly about rebellious, stubborn, brat, punk children. He sends two sheep bears to tell 40 and two of them. He puts the death penalty on children that curse their parents, children that are rebellious and stubborn, children that mock at their parents with their eyes. You know, we see this idea of these rebellious children and God thinks very uh, uh, harshly about it. He's very displeased with it. He's very upset about it. Now, I told you this morning that I'm going to be preaching a very different type sermon tonight. I've never preached a sermon like this, and I don't know that I ever will. I guess we'll see how tonight goes. Maybe I will in, in, in the future, but I'm going to do something very different tonight. And I've given you some biblical foundation for this idea of why God hates rebellion in children. And we're going to come back to... Uh, the book of Proverbs later on in the sermon, and I'm going to end with some biblical foundations in regards to that. But for the rest of the sermon, what I'd like to do is I'm going to give you 50 statements. Now, these are not points, okay? 
And, and I'm not going to give you a verse for every one of these statements uh, because we just don't have the time to do that. I will tell you this. The, a lot of these principles are founded, of course, in the Word of God. But I'm going to give you 50 statements tonight in regards to how to not raise a brat. Now, obviously, for those of you that are parents, this is highly applicable for you. For those of you that are single uh, uh, and, and not married, you know, you should tuck away these thoughts and, and for your future children. For those of you that have raised children, maybe you've got some grandchildren you can invest these things into. This is not meant to beat you up if you've raised your children already, but we, of course, want to teach these things to the people that need them. And I want to say this. These statements are not generic. They are not uh, uh, points like you'd normally find in a sermon or like I would normally do in a sermon. These are very descriptive and very specific. These are things that my wife and I have developed in our parenting over the last, you know, 13 years that the Lord has allowed us to be the parents of our six children. These are also things that we have learned from other pastors uh, who have successfully raised children as adults that walk with God, both in the old and new IFB. These are things that we have seen parents do in ministry, things that we've seen in ministry in the last 10 years that parents have done right and that parents have done wrong. These are just kind of some thoughts and some ideas. Many of them are grounded in the Word of God. Some of them are my opinion. And if you've got thoughts or questions about it, you're, of course, welcome to uh, talk to me about it after the sermon. But I want to give you these 50 statements in regards to how to not raise a rebellious and disobedient child, how to not raise a punk, how to not raise the type of kid that God would be willing to send the she-bear to tear apart. Now, let me just give you some alternative titles for this sermon, because like I said, I'm not going to I'm just going to, I've got 50 of these. I'm, I'm just going to read them to you. I've, I'm, I'll probably make commentary as we go along. I'm just going to read these to you. But let me give you just some alternative titles. You know, the sermon is called The Two She-Bears and the Cursed Children. It could also be called How to Not Raise a Brat. But it could also be called this, The Parenting, Advi the parenting Advice We Wish You Would Ask and Never Do. It could also be called this, everything I don't like about your parenting, okay? So, um, you know, if you thought this morning was tough, but you, I don't know. We'll see how tonight goes. But here's 50 statements, all right? 50 statements. They're very specific. They're very descriptive. And I don't know if you can write these down, but you probably should, all right? Number one, always have your children sit with you in church. Always have your children sit with you in church. If you allow them not to sit with you, never allow them to sit behind you. You should always be able to see your children at church and never allow young people to sit on the back row during church. And I'll tell you this, and some of your teens could tell you this if they would admit it to you or not, but every time I walk by that back row and I see teenagers on that back row, I tell them to get up. And go sit with their parents or go sit up front. You say, where would you like young people to sit? With their parents? And if they're not going to sit with their parents, right here in the front row. Amen. Never allow your children. You say, I'll ask your opinion. That's why I'm just giving you my pastoral opinion. Things that my wife and I have developed over the last 10 years. Always have your children sit with you in church. And if you're going to allow them to not sit with you, don't allow them to sit behind you. Make sure you can always see your children during church. And never allow young people to sit on the back row during church. That's one of 50. All right. Here's number two. Never place a television, cell phone, computer, or a tablet in your children's rooms. It's not a good idea to put a TV, a computer, a laptop, a tablet, a phone in your children's rooms where they can just get into whatever and watch whatever. Things like that should be in public areas. Your computers, your laptops, your tablets should always be in public areas where you can see what your children are doing. Number three, never allow your children to miss a church service or a church activity. And never have them miss a church activity as a punishment. We have teen activities here from time to time. Over the years, I've heard parents say, oh, well, you know, my kid did this, so I did not allow them to go to the teen activity, and I, you know, use that as a punishment. You know what you should use as a punishment is a spanking. You should never use church as a punishment. You want them in church. 
You want them around God's people in God's house. You want them to listen to the challenge that pastor is going to give at the teen activity. You want them to develop friendships with other uh, uh, families in the church. Never allow your children to miss church services or church activities and never have them miss something as a punishment. Never have them miss an activity as a punishment to church. Number four, never travel during church services. Never travel during church services. And while on vacation, attend church in the area you're in. This includes Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Always make a church, always make church a priority. You know what you're telling your children when you go on vacation and you don't go to church? That it's okay for us to take a vacation from God. You take a vacation from work and you take a vacation from school, but you never take a vacation from God. And I'm not saying you can't miss this church. If you're out on vacation, be on vacation, but go to church. And never travel during church services. Never travel. You know, you say, well, it requires more work. It requires more this and it requires more that. Then put the effort in to show your children that church is important. Never travel during church services. And while on vacation, attend church in the area you're in. This includes Sunday night and Wednesday night. Always, always, always make church a priority. Number five. We got 50 of these, so... This is the advice you never ask. This is the advice my wife and I wished you'd ask for and you never do. So I'm just going to give it to you now. Number five, never allow your children to walk up to an adult and tattle to that adult about that adult's children. Do not allow your children to walk up to somebody else's parents and tell on their kids to that parent. Children should be taught to go to their own parents with their problems. And let me just let you in on a little secret. If you don't want parents correcting your kids, don't have your kids go to those parents. Teach your children to come to you. Never allow your children to walk up to an adult and tattle to that adult about that adult's children. Children should be taught to go to their own parents with their problems. If you do not want adults correcting your children, then you must also not allow your children to go to adults. So never let your kids go walk up to somebody. My kids know, if you walk up to somebody's parents and say, your kid did, you're getting a spanking. Your kids should go to you. They should be taught to go to their own parents. Number six, never allow your children to have or attend a sleepover. Never allow your children to have or attend a sleepover. You say, why? That's where bad things are going to happen. That's where they're going to get exposed. You say, well, I don't have them have a tablet in their room, but the kid they're sleeping over at might. That's where they're going to get exposed to pornography. That's where they're going to get exposed to some movie you don't want them watching. That's where they're going to get touched. Look, never allow your children. You, you do what you want with this. I told you this is a different type of sermon. I'm just telling you how we parent our kids, and you'd be smart to do it the same way. But never allow your children to have or attend a sleepover. It's not a good idea. Number seven, never simply take your child's word at face value over the word of an adult. Let me say that again. You guys thought this morning's was rough. You guys are like, man, I like it better when you're in Texas. <laughs> never simply take your child's word at face value over the word of an adult. Now, let me just say this. Serious accusations of predators obviously must always be taken seriously. That is not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about you believing your child over an adult when an adult is telling you that your kid did something wrong and your kid is saying the opposite. You've got an adult and a child, you know, saying the opposite and you take your child's word over an adult at face value without any evidence. You will raise a monster you will raise a sociopath. You must always side with authority. You should never, to, and again, in accusations of predators, we want to take those seriously. I'm talking about you're, you have an adult telling you, you've got the PE teacher telling you, you've got the whatever, you know, uh, pastor or the pastor's wife saying, your kid did X, Y, and Z, your kid broke this monitor in the foyer. Well, my, you know, my seven-year-old said they didn't do it. I believe them. You are crazy. <laughs> you will raise a sociopath. You will raise a monster. Your seven-year-old brat will become a 27-year-old monster. 
Never simply take your child's word at face value over the word of an adult. Never take your child's uh, 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 word over the word of an adult at face value. And again, we're not talking about being molested and things like that. We're talking about just normal things where an adult is telling you your kid did something wrong and you're going to believe your kid. You are a fool. Number eight, catch your children in lies. See how these kind of go together? Catch your children in lies and confront your children with their lies. Do not explain away their lies. Otherwise, you will raise a pathological liar. When's the last time you caught your child in a lie? You say, my child doesn't lie. You're an idiot. (laughs) If you haven't caught your child in a lie, you're not looking. You're spending too much time on Facebook, Mom. You're spending too much time on Instagram. Your, your kids lie every day. They're lying every day. They're lying to you every day. If you haven't caught them in a lie, you're not paying attention. Children need to be caught in lies. Look, I'm, I, I'm being honest with you. Children need parents to catch them in lies, confront them in the lies, make them admit that they lied. They need that. Otherwise, you're going to raise a terrible husband, a terrible future wife, a terrible future employer. You don't want their future wife or their future husband or their future boss having to deal with them on deception. And no, you're not telling the truth. That's not actually when you clocked in. No, the camera shows up. You don't don't need other adults doing that for your adult kid. You need to do that when they're seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. Catch your children in lies and confront them with their lies. Do not explain away their lies. Otherwise, you will raise a pathological liar. Number nine, never encourage young people to start dating. Never encourage young people to start dating. The purpose of dating is marriage. The purpose of dating is marriage. And as far as I can tell, a 14-year-old is not ready to get married. So why are you encouraging a 13 and a 14 and a 15-year-old to start dating? Never encourage young people to start dating. Number 10, never joke with your children or other people's children and then share my children about liking someone. You don't need to be joking with a 7-year-old about, oh, you got a crush on, shut your mouth. My kids don't need to put that, you don't need to put that in their heads. Never joke with your children. Never joke with your children and never joke with other people's children about liking someone. We never want to encourage young people to start dating. Number 11, keep your children as young as possible for as long as possible. Keep your children as young as possible for as long as possible. Encourage them to mature but not to grow up. Say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means we don't want our children to lose their childlike innocence. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get my 11-year-old daughter to start dressing like what the world would think a 15-year-old girl needs to dress. You know what my goal is? To keep my children as young as possible for as long as possible. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't mature. We want to teach them to mature. We want them to, teach them to teach them to be respectful and be responsible. But we're not trying to get them to grow up. I don't understand this mentality of parents who are trying to like, get their kids to get married and go off into the workforce and, 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 and just go out there. You know what you should be doing is trying to keep your kids as young as possible for as long as possible. Now, obviously, they're going to lose their childlike innocence as they grow up. But don't push that on. Don't take it from them. Keep your children as young as possible for as long as possible. Now, I understand why you guys don't ask for this advice, which is why I'm just going to give it to you. But you you ought to encourage them to mature, but not to grow up. Number 12, never discuss a child's personal problems in the presence of their siblings or other members of the family. Let me say that again. Never discuss a child's personal problems in the presence of their siblings or other members of the family. Obviously, as your kids get older, they're going to have personal problems. If you're paying attention, you'll catch them in some lies, and you'll confront them in some lies, and you'll have to deal with those things with your children. But don't ever do that in front of their siblings. There's no need for that. 
The, uh, the other kids in the family don't need to know what the other kids, you know. We're not talking about a three or four-year-old who's not obeying and needs to get a spanking. We're talking about as they get older and they start having some personal issues and personal problems that it's your job to help them work through. Never discuss a child's personal problems in the presence of their siblings or other members of the family. That's something that mama and daddy and, and that child should be dealing with. Number 13, have dinner as a family every night. Have dinner as a family every night. Missing family dinners should be a, uh, uh, should, should be a rare occasion, not the norm. Listen, Dad, if you're constantly missing family dinners, you're working too much. You're, working too, you're doing too much. Have dinner as a family every night. Have dinner as a family every night. Missing family dinners should be rare. Missing family dinners should not be the norm in your home. Number 14, other than for church, send your kids to bed at a reasonable and consistent time. Now, Obviously, you stay here for Sunday night church. You stay here for Wednesday night church. You let them come to church. We've had people who literally say, oh, we can't come to Sunday night church because our kids have to go to bed at 7 p.m. It's like, what in the world? Other than for church, send your kids to bed at a reasonable and consistent time. I'll tell you this, at our home, for us, for my wife and I, that's 9 p.m. for our kids. Obviously, as they get older, you know, they might uh, be given more time in the future, but, you know, for their age and where they're at in life, 9 p.m. is what we consider a reasonable and consistent time. Other than for church, send your kids to bed at a reasonable and consistent time. Kids should not be staying up all hours of the night. They dead sure should not be staying up all hours of the night playing on their tablet you have in their room. Number 15, children should not be forced to go to bed when the sun is still up. You say, why do you add that? Because people do that. There's these two extremes. Kids stay up all night just, you know, doing whatever. And then you got the mom that can't come to Sunday night church because the kids got to be in bed by 7 p.m. Well, look, in the summertime at 7 p.m., the sun is still up. I mean, do what you want. I don't got a verse for you. I'm just telling you, children, I just think children should not be forced. My wife and I think children should not be forced to go to bed when the sun is still up. Number 16. Children should not be used so much as a babysitter or an errand runner that they have more of the household burden on them than the parents do. This is so common in our type of church. The family integrated no birth control movement. Children should not be used so much as a babysitter or an errand runner that they have more of the household burden on them than the parents do. Use them around the house, but keep a healthy balance. They shouldn't be running your household for you, Mom. They shouldn't be running your household for you, Dad. Children should not be used so much as babysitters or errand runners that they have more of the household burden on them than the parents do. Use them, train them, teach them to work around the house, but keep it to a healthy balance. Number 17, know how to distinguish between a childish act like accidentally spilling the milk and a rebellious act like throwing the milk on the ground in disobedience. And respond accordingly. Look, kids are kids. They break things. They run into things. They, they mess things up. I see parents sometimes, their kid spills the milk, and it's like World War III, like, ah, you know. But then the same kid, they're, they're telling them, you know, drink, drink your milk, and they throw it on the ground, throw it at their mom. You know, learn how to distinguish between a childish act and a rebellious act. A childish act is like accidentally spilling the milk. A rebellious act is like throwing the milk on the ground on purpose, in disobedience, in rebellion, and then respond accordingly. Number 18, listen to your children more than you talk to them. Listen to your children more than you talk to them. Most parents, like I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, just, just know this. Most parents talk too much. Just talk too much. And you fail to actively listen. And when you do listen, or when your kids do talk, you respond with criticism. You respond negatively. 
And then you wonder why your kids don't want to talk to you. Listen to your children more than you talk to them. Allow them to listen. And then, look, your, your kids are going to say stupid things. They're kids. You have to correct some mentalities. You have to correct some things. But don't just be bullying them, mocking them, criticizing them. They will resent you, and they will stop talking to you. So listen to your children more than you talk to them. Number 19. Do not baby your children, unless they're babies, of course. Do not baby your children when they are no longer babies. Talk to them and treat them at your level. And look, especially boys, don't baby boys. They, they need to buck up. You don't want to raise a sissy. I remember my wife and I, before we had children, uh, before we'd ever even started Verity Baptist Church, we were at uh, Faithful Word Baptist Church. We were in Tempe, and my, my wife was spending the day with Miss Susanna. And uh, this was when her, her older boys were, were little. And they were out at this, like, old Western cowboy, you know, type uh, thing. And uh, there was a guy who was dressed up like a Native American, and he was all dressed up like a Native American war. And one of, the, one of the, her little boys uh, started crying. And she's afraid, he's afraid of this, you know, Indian. And he's crying. And she grabbed him by the ear and pulled him back and said, you stop being a sissy. <laughs> said, I'm not going to raise a sissy. This is fake. That's an actor. There's no need for you to be crying like that. And, you know, he just kind of, like, snapped out of it. And, you know, that taught us something. when we were, This was before we even had kids. Like, hey, you need to teach your kids to not just be afraid of everything. Do not baby your children. When they're no longer babies. Obviously, when they're babies, baby them. You know, these parents, that they, you're talking baby talk to your seven-year-old? That's weird. <laughs> Got like a nine-year-old, and you're like, Google, Gaga. That, no. <laughs> Do not baby your children. Now you know why this sermon is called Everything I Hate About Your Parenting. <laughs> Number 20. Teach your children... To have proper manners and teach them at home. You say, what does that mean? That means they should respond like this. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. They should be taught to not interrupt adults. They should be taught to say please and thank you. They should be taught to take their hats off indoors. They should be taught to stand in the presence of an adult or when an adult speaks to them, they should stand. They should be taught to hold a door for ladies and pull out chairs for their mom. They should be taught manners. Teach your children to have proper manners. Number 21, do not criticize others in the presence of your children. Do not criticize others. I'm talking about your family members. I'm talking about your church, your church family, your pastor, your pastor's wife, the staff. Your boss, your fellow co-workers, your neighbors, your in-laws. Did I cover them all? Do not criticize others in the presence of your children. And, I, and if you do, just know this. They will one day, your children will one day criticize you in public. Do not criticize others in the presence of your children. You know, I, I grew up in an independent federal Baptist home. I never one time, I never one time heard my parents say one negative thing about our pastor pastor's wife or church were there things that i'm sure they disagreed with at church or things that they didn't like i'm sure there were i'm sure there were i never heard it you know you should not be criticizing other people in the presence of your children you say well, i'm going to do whatever i want that's fine but don't criticize you one day in public 22 do everything in your power to raise your family in one church location i understand that sometimes this is not possible I understand that life happens, and sometimes you need to move, and things happen, and we get that. But you know, when you start having kids, you should do everything in your power to raise your family in one church location. It's good for your family. It's good for your kids. 23, the mother of the family should not work outside the home. The mother of the family should not work outside the home. And if absolutely needed, the father should be the one who gets a second job. But it would be better, men, it would be better for you to spend time with your family at home and for your family to just go without. 
Whatever you think you need, whatever big house you think you need, or nicer car or vacation, you know what would be better is for you to just spend time with your wife, to spend time with your kids, and for you to go without. If you absolutely need to, then the man should get the second job. Mom should never work outside the home when she's raising her children. But you know what, Dad? It'd be better just go without. And let me just let you in on a little secret. When kids are little and stupid, they think that all the vacations and all the toys and all those things is awesome. They think like, sure, I haven't seen my dad in like six weeks, but I get all this cool stuff and look at this nice house we live in. But you know what? They'll grow up to resent you. They'll grow up to resent that. They'll grow up to say, I wish my dad would spend time with me. I can tell you my, my you know, our family, and I won't go into our details, but, you know, we were dirt poor growing up. I'll tell you this about being dirt poor. We were dirt poor. You say, what do you mean dirt poor? I mean, like, my brother and I slept on couches in the living room. Didn't even have our own room for, like, the first 17 years of my life. We were poor. I didn't know it. You know what? We were happy. You know that I, you know, other kids had nice stuff. I don't, I, I'm a thir- I, 35 years old. And I, I don't remember all the, I, ne- I never had a Nintendo growing up. Never had, you know, all that stuff growing up. Don't think about that. But you know what I think about? All the time I spent with my mom and dad out soul winning at church, church activities, laughing around the dinner table. That's what matters. The mother of the family should not work outside of the home. And look, Dad, if, if you need to, if, if you can't pay the rent and you need to get a second job, then get a second job. But if it's just wants, it'd be better for your family to just go without. 24. Children should never be allowed to interrupt the church service. Children should never be allowed to interrupt the church service. You, you, you need to train your kids to you say, I want my kids to sit in the church, in the church service. Great. Have Bible time at home and, tra- and teach them how to sit, sit quietly. And we've got mother baby rooms, and we don't need you moms in there on your phones and messing around. Use those rooms to train those uh, children. But in the church service, when your kids start acting up, don't allow them to interrupt the church service. Sometimes the devil can use your little angel to keep someone from hearing what they need to hear. Start pinching them and doing all sorts of things to them. Children should never be allowed to interrupt the church service. Number 25. We're only halfway through. (laughs) Children should not be allowed to interrupt adult conversations. Kids do this. My kids do this. We're constantly trying to work on this with them and train them. But you know what? You should be teaching your kids. When adults are speaking, you don't interrupt. You can stand to the side to your acknowledge. You can say, excuse me, at an appropriate time. But children should not be allowed to interrupt the conversation of adults. Obviously, we're not talking about a one-year-old. We are talking about a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old. Number 26, never allow babies to cry themselves to sleep. Never allow babies to cry themselves to sleep. So I read in this book that, you know, you're not supposed to, you're just going to let them cry go till, till they cry themselves to sleep. Let me l- let you in on something. Everything the world tells you about raising children is wrong. So just, just forget about it. Never allow your babies to cry themselves to sleep. 27. They gave you, look, your mama. You take care of those kids. 27. Never allow your children to call adults by their first name. Never allow your children to call adults by their first name. They should be taught to add titles like Mr., Mrs., Brother, etc. And do not allow your children to talk to adults as if they are on the same level. They are kids. They are not on the same level. They're not inferior. God loves them and just like he loves anyone else. But you know what? Kids need to be taught their kids. Never allow your children to call adults by their first name. And by the way, let me just say this. You know how you do that? By adults setting the example. You know, if I'm, if I'm just privately talking with my staff, I might say, hey, David, can you take care of this? Or, hey, Oliver, can you go here? I might say, Miss, you know, I, I might say Melody, you know, or, or, or hi, Victoria, or hi, Casey. But you, you'll never hear me say that in public. Every time you hear me talk about any adult from this pulpit, it's Miss Victoria. Miss Joanne, 
Brother Oliver, you set the example for your kids. One thing I love about my family, you know, they're my parents. They're my older siblings. You know what they call me in front of all of you? Pastor. Because they have some sort of reverence for me? No, because they know that's the right thing to do to set the example. Never allow your children to... They don't, do they do that at home? No. They do that here. Never allow your children to call adults by their first name. And you should set the example. In a public setting, though, it's not Joanne, David, Oliver. It's Brother Oliver. Miss Joanne. And don't allow children to speak to adults as if they are on the same level. They are not. 28, never send children to the restroom by themselves in a public place, including church. Never send children to the restroom by themselves in a public place. Restrooms, by and large, is where children get molested, touched, all sorts of things. Never send children to the restroom by themselves in a public place, including church. Number 29, teach your children to report to you if someone says anything to them inappropriate or touches them. Look, you need to have a good enough relationship with your kids where they feel comfortable telling you if somebody said something weird to them or if somebody touched them. So teach your children to report to you if someone says anything to them inappropriate or touches them. Number 30, parents should never argue in front of their children. If you have a disagreement, deal with it privately. Your kids don't need to see that. You know, one thing, I'm, I'm thankful for my, my parents, and look, my parents are sinners like anybody else. I'm sure they had issues in their marriage and whatever, but I can tell you this, I never saw them fight. I, I don't have a memory of ever seeing my parents fight. Did they fight? I'm sure they didn't. Did they have disagreement? I'm sure they didn't. Parents should never argue in front of their children. If you have a disagreement, deal with it privately. Number 31, spank your children. Consistently and appropriately. Spank your children consistently and appropriately. Spanking should not be something we're just, we just threaten our children with and never do. It should be something that's done consistently, especially the younger they are, the more spankings they should be getting. And it should be done appropriately. Obviously, you're going to spank a two-year-old and a three-year-old different than you would spank a seven-year-old. We're not talking about child abuse here. By the way, let me just say this. You should never hit a child on their face. I don't care what culture you grew up in. Don't slap a child. You know, God gave you, uh, gave these children a little area on their backside with a little extra cushion and a lot of nerve endings where you can safely administer the rod of correction. So spank your children consistently and appropriately. 32, do not play favorites with your kids. Do not play favorites with your kids. You don't think this happens? Read the Bible. It happens. Do not play favorites with your kids. Always include all your children in everything. Now, it's appropriate to do special things from time to time with special kids. You know, at special times, you know, certain kids. But it shouldn't be this thing where it's just the same kids are getting special treatment all the time. And the same kids are getting, you know, not special treatment. Do not play favorites. Obviously, if it's their birthday and you're having some special thing for them on their birthday, that's appropriate. You know, I travel a lot. And when I travel, if I can drive to wherever I'm preaching to, I bring my entire family. If I cannot drive there and I have to fly there, I always bring uh, uh, kids with me. This last trip to Texas, I took my daughter Elizabeth and Lydia. But you know what? We, we, ha- we rotate it. Next time, when I go to Atlanta, I'm going to take my sons, Joshua and Joel. You know, when, when they were, uh, when, when they get, obviously I don't take Hannah because she's a, a little baby. Ruth is getting to the place where I, I might be able to start taking her. We rotate them. I'm not saying you can't do special things for them, but make sure you're doing, if you're going to do unique special things, make sure you're doing unique special things for all of them. And if you're not doing a unique special thing, always include all your kids in everything. Do not play favorites. I mean, there's so many ver- stories in the Bible, Jacob and Esau. There's so many stories in the Bible where you see this. Joseph and his 12 brethren. The reason his brethren hated Joseph is because the dad was playing favorites. Do not play favorites. Always include your children in everything. 
Number 33. Do not talk about your lack of money. Do not talk about your lack of money or your abundance of money with your children. If you're broke, your kids don't need to know that. We were poor growing up. You know when I figured out we were poor? When I was like 20. When I was 20 years old, I was like, man, we were poor. We were poor. My siblings and I were starting conversations. We're like, yeah, we were poor. Now, I never heard my parents talk about our lack of, our lack of anything. Christian parents shouldn't be talking about their lack of anything. You don't lack anything. If you've got God, you've got everything you need. Do not talk about your lack of money with your children. And look, don't talk about the abundance of money with your children, Haman. We'll talk about that next week. Number 34. If you are divorced, do not criticize the other parent to your children. If you are divorced, do not criticize the other parent to your children. Now look, you should be honest about the other parent if needed. If, if situations call for it, then you need to be honest about the other parent and what they're doing or what they're not doing or whatever. But you should not criticize them. Number 35. If you are divorced and remarried, do not treat the stepchildren as stepchildren. That stepchildren concept, you didn't get that from the Bible. If you are divorced and remarried, do not treat the stepchildren as stepchildren. It's not, you know, our kids and then your kids and my kids and your kids. If you're divorced and remarried, do not treat the stepchildren as stepchildren. You chose those children when you chose that spouse. You didn't choose, I chose the spouse, but not the children. No, it, it was a bundle deal. They came together. So don't allow the... Don't, don't, if you're divorced or married, don't treat the stepchildren like stepchildren. They're your children now. You chose those children when you chose that spouse. And if you don't want those children, then don't choose that spouse. Number 36. Do not allow, do not allow your children to compare. You do not want them to become braggers and boasters. Don't allow your kids to be comparing. My this is better than your this, or my, you know, what, don't let them talk like that. You're already setting up the wrong, the wrong philosophy in life. Number 37. Watch how your children interact with other children, especially if they are an only child. Look, you need to be watching how your children interact. Look, I know we like to fellowship and whatever, but you, you know, when we're fellowshipping, every once in a while, mom, dad, you sneak around and watch those kids in that playroom and just kind of look over and see, how, how do my kids interact with other kids? How do they act with other kids? Mom, at P.E. time, you know, fellowship with the other ladies, but keep an eye on your kids. Watch how your children interact with other children. It's, it's a part of helping them grow up to be mature adults. Even the public school system has an area, you know, in their report card that says, does play well with others. Watch how your children interact with other children. Not all children interact well with other children. So how do you, you say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I watch them. Because my wife watches them. We watch our kids and we watch your kids in the process because they're there with our kids. You start paying attention, you might start seeing some things. 38. Do not lie to your children with made-up things like Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and the Easter Bunny. I don't know why parents think this is acceptable, but the last thing you need, you know, the last thing you need is for your eight-year-old to get this shocking. You've been lying to me my whole life? I don't even know why you'd want to give the credit to somebody else. No, I bought you that that Christmas gift. That was your mother and I. Not some fat guy with a beard. 39. Do not give your child a cell phone before they start driving or working. And do not ever give them a cell phone with unlimited access to the internet. Look, when your kids start working or driving, you want to give them a cell phone for, for safety reasons, that's fine, but put some sort of safety thing on there, some filter thing, something where you can know what they're looking at and getting into. Do not give your child a cell phone. And, and, and don't give them a, ch- a cell phone before they start driving. 
working and being outside of the home. Number 40. See, some of you, I'm answering your questions before because you you're not thinking about this. Okay, number 40. If your children need to have a cell phone or a car, you know what we advise? Because you never ask for our advice, so I'm just going to give it to you. We advise you have a family cell phone or a family car that is shared between the children. Your kids are less likely to do something stupid on a cell phone that all the kids are sharing and they have to turn in every night. Your kids are less likely to do something stupid in a car that all the kids are sharing and they have to you know, put the key somewhere in, in, in the home at night. Do not allow your children to have cell phones or cars and if you have to have them have those things, they start getting older and working or whatever, that's fine. But have a family cell phone. Have a family car that's shared between the children. 41. Do not allow your children to work at jobs where they are primarily around a bunch of other young people. Like fast food places or clothing stores. You know, you know what, I, what I believe? Here's what I think. If a man needs to get a second job, I don't have a problem with a grown man working at McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever as a job or a second job or whatever. I'm not, no problem in the world with that. I'd never put my 15-year-old there, 16-year-old there, a bunch of other teenagers, and get themselves into trouble. Do not allow your children to work at jobs where they are primarily around a bunch of other young people like fast food places or clothing stores. Look, young girls should work from home. And young men should be learning a future trade for their job, for their work. You want your 16 or 17-year-old to work? Great. Have them work with men. Not a bunch of other kids. Number 42. Do not allow your kids to be a poor sport. This goes along with watching them at PE class, by the way. Don't allow your kids to be the kid that's just always a poor sport, always mad, always angry, always upset. Teach them to have a good attitude. Number 43, do not allow your kids to be a quitter. That's why some of you can't finish nine chapters a day. Your parents just let you quit everything. Don't allow your kids to be a quitter. And by the way, I'm not beating up on you. You say, I didn't finish nine chapters a day. Then finish it. My name won't go on the plaque. Just finish it for your own character. And teach your kids to not be quitters. Do not allow your kids to be quitters. Do not allow your kids to be poor sports. 44. Teach your children your expectations about dating well before they are in their teen years. You know, my goal, and our kids are young, you know, the Bible says to not, you know, don't, don't boast yourself of tomorrow, and we're, we're doing the best we can. We're practicing at this parenting thing just like you are. My kids are young, and they're dead sure not in dating age. But you know what we're trying to do is just brainwash them while they don't care. When they're six and seven and eight, and they're like, girls are yucky? It's like, yes, they're yucky till you're 20. 20 years old. We're just subconsciously. Subconsciously. You know, every night when we kids are in bed and my wife and I are ready to go to bed, I do my little dad routine of locking all the doors and making sure the alarm's on. And I go in my girl's room and put the nightlight in or make sure they're not falling off the bed or whatever. And I say a quick prayer for my girls that they'll grow up to love the Lord and meet a husband one day that'll love the Lord and care for them. And I go into the boys' room and we've got their modem, uh, the modem for the inner in there. So I shut that thing off so they're not getting radiation all night or whatever. And, uh, and I say a quick prayer for them that they'll love the Lord and be men of integrity and, 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 and love God. You know, and every once in a while, I'm just kind of whispering in their ear, 20 years old, 20 years old. Teach your children your expectations about dating well before they're in their teen years. Once they're in love, it's hard to pull that back. But when they're kids, they're not in love. 45. Do not allow your kids to get caught in name brands. Look, don't let your kids get caught in name brands. Bunch of foolishness. Remember when I was a kid growing up, we grew up in the Bay Area. And my dad would take us to go get jacket for the winter. And I wanted the San Francisco 49ers jacket. My brother wants the Raiders jacket. And my dad would say, are they going to pay you to wear their name? 
you're, you're gonna provide free advertising for you know you know people pay to advertise you know this is how my dad would talk to us he didn't baby us no you're, you're just go that that black one that navy blue one that one you're not you're not gonna put somebody else's name I'm gonna put Brett Favre's name on my back without Brett Favre paying me and that'll show you how much I know about football I don't even know if Brett Favre's still alive. Do not allow your kids to get caught up in name brands. I'll let my kids wear a shirt that says Red Hot Preaching Conference. I'll let my kids uh, wear a shirt that has the name of a man of God. I'm not going to let them wear a shirt that has the name of Michael whoever. Do not allow your kids to get caught up in name brands. Teach, look, just teach them to not care about that stuff because you know what? That stuff's stupid. 46. If you are homeschooling your children, then do not put them in organized sports or extracurricular group classes or activities. If you are homeschooling your children, then do not put them in organized sports or extracurricular group classes or activities. I'm not talking about our PE class. You say, why? Here, because what's the point of homeschooling them if you're going to have them a bunch of, bunch of worldly kids anyway? What's the point? You say, why do you homeschool your kids? Well, I homeschool our kids for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is to keep them away from a bunch of bad influences. You know, one of the reasons that we started our, the homeschool group, we got like 85 kids in our homeschool group. You say, why did we start uh, be, uh, a homeschool group? Because I wanted my kids to hang out with kids that believe, you know, whose parents are going the same direction we're going. I'm not going to go put them in some, you know, neo-charismatic, soft Christian, whatever. If you're homeschooling your kids, then what's the point? Putting them around a bunch of worldly kids. I thought that was the point. 47. Be careful about what appetites you expose your children to or awaken in your children when they are young. Especially if it's something that you think is okay when they are young but will not be able to do when they are older. Parents get this idea like, oh, when my kid's little, I can just put them in this and put them in that and put them whatever. Here's the problem with that. You start awakening all these appetites and desires. You know, here, here's an example in our home. When my wife was growing up, and obviously she didn't grow up in a Christian home. She got saved when she was 17 years old. My wife was growing up, she, she was highly into gymnastics. She was, you know, she, my wife can do the backflips and all those things. She's like a Power Ranger. <laughs> do all, you know. And she teaches those things to our kids. We have gymnastics class at our home, and she's teach, she teaches them, you know, from time to time or whatever. But, you know, we, we never put our kids in some gymnastics class. You say, why? Because they're not dressed appropriately. Oh, well, it's not a big deal when they're three. Yeah, but when they're three and they're four and they're five and they're six, you may think it's not that big of a deal, but you awaken something in them. And then when they're 16 and you're like, you can't dress that, you can't go there anymore. You know what I mean? And then you got to fight them on that. You know what I mean? Best if you just never awaken that. Be best if you just never expose them to that. Look, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. Do you understand that? We're raising children that are going to become adults. So get this idea out of your head. Well, I do it with them when they're three and four and five, and then I'll pull it back when they're 15. No, you won't pull it back when they're 15. It'll be in their heart when they're 15. So be careful about what appetites you expose your children to or awaken in your children. Especially if it's something that you think it's okay when they're young but will not be when they're older. 48. Do not let your kids be a bully. Unless you want two she-bears, you know. Do not let your kids be a bully. For your children, just let me teach, let me see something. This is the advice you never asked me for. I wish you would. This is true of your children, and this is true of you. If your kids have a problem with every kid, the likelihood is that your kid is the problem. If you, look, if you have a problem, lady, with every lady in the church, you're the problem. There's no conspiracy against your children. There's no conspiracy against you. People don't care that much about you. Nobody's, you know, got together on Tuesday night and said, let's all be mean to brother so-and-so. If brother so-and-so can't get along with anybody, it's probably brother so-and-so who's the problem. 
if sister so-and-so can't get along with her, and look, if your kids, when my, look, when my kids start, you know, one kid start, you know, so-and-so did this. I'm talking about in our home. Another one so-and-so did this. Another one so-and-so did this. Another one so-and-so did this. And they're all naming the same kid. We're bringing that kid in and spanking that kid saying, you're the problem. It's not, oh, they, they did it. No, 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 you're the problem. You have a problem with everybody right now. So you must be the problem. Look, just realize this. In life, when everybody has a problem with one person, that one person is the problem. So do not allow your kids to be bullies. Don't allow your kids to play the victims. For your children and in life in general, if they have a problem with everyone, chances are they are the problem. 49. Do not talk about, excuse me, do not talk down to your children. Do not talk down to your children. It is easy to treat your children as though they are inferior to you. But they are not. And we should treat our children with respect. Look, it's easy. It's easy to treat your kids like they are inferior, like they're subhuman. You say, I don't think you should be saying this. Just look around. They are these captives in our homes. They're not allowed to talk back. And I see parents, I do it. That's why the Bible says, you know, that, that fathers provoke not your children to wrath. It's easy you be, because you can't talk to your boss like that. You can't talk to your pastor like that. You can't talk to somebody else, but you'll just talk to your children like they're nothing. Do not talk down to your children. It's so easy to treat our children as though they are inferior to us, but they are not. God gave you those children. There's value to them. And we should treat our children with respect. That doesn't mean we don't correct them. That doesn't mean we don't chasten them. But we should treat them with respect. Number 50. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. (laughs) Tell your children why. Tell your children why. When they ask you a question, explain to them the why. Especially especially in spiritual matters. Now look, sometimes they need to just accept and obey. I get that. But always get around to the why. Here's what I mean. Don't be the parent that's always, because I said so, that's why. Sometimes it's because I said so, that's why, and then we'll talk about it later. But always tell them the why. You know, I don't want to raise kids that, I don't want to raise girls that, well, I wasn't allowed to wear pants growing up, but I don't even know why, it's just because my dad said so. No, I want my girls to know why. I want my sons to know why we don't allow them to wear headphones while they're listening to something. I want my kids to know why they're not going to have a personal cell phone when they're 13 years old. Take the time to explain to your kids the why. And when they ask you a question about faith, about the Bible, about, you know, why do we homeschool or why do we? Look, we're always so busy and so busy just because I said so. Tell your children why, especially in spiritual matters. Sometimes they need to just accept and obey. I get that. But always get around to the why. Always explain to them why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we, you know, not do that or not go there? Explain to them the why. They need to know the why. Go to Proverbs chapter 20 if you wouldn't. Proverbs chapter 20. These are 50 statements that I wish you would ask and you never do. These are 50 tips of advice that we've seen parents just mess up at. You might say, Pastor, you're just ornery. Yeah, maybe. But I'm trying to help you. Proverbs 20 and verse 11, the Bible says this. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. You know, children have reputations. Children develop reputations. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure, whether it be right. Proverbs 22, if you would, you're there in Proverbs 20, just flip over Proverbs 22. Look at verse 6. 
train up a child in the way he should go. That's what this whole sermon is about. Look, some of these things, you don't want to do it, you want to do it different, that's fine. Do, do, what, do what you want. But train your kids on something. Don't, I, don't have, I don't do anything with my kids. I let them do whatever I want. Whatever they want. No, you need to be training them. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Here's a bonus statement. Love your children. Love your children. Don't see them as a burden. Love your children and realize that the God of the universe, the God that created them, has entrusted them to you to raise them up for his glory. They're not your kids. Those are my kids. No, they're God's kids. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, the Bible says. Love your children. Don't see them as a burden. Realize that the God of the universe, the God who created you and them, has entrusted them to you to raise them up, not for yourself, but for him. So let us train up our children in the way they should go. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I realize that when you, somebody, anybody, preaches this specific, it can be taken the wrong way. I get that. Lord, I pray that our people would take heed to some of these things. I want to see them train their kids right. Sometimes maybe I, they don't know to ask for advice. That's okay. We want to help them. I realize we're not perfect. I hope nobody would walk away from the sermon thinking that Pastor Jimenez and Miss Joanne just think they got it all figured out because we don't. But there are some things we've learned along the way, some things we've seen people do that were the mis- mistakes. I pray you'd help all of us to be humble enough to receive that. Lord, I do thank you for the kids in this church, the young people, the teenagers, the singles. I'm so thankful for them. But help us to keep them going in the right direction. Help us to raise these kids up in the proper way. Help us to remember the story about the she-bears and to realize how much you hate rebellion in children. And help us to train that out of them, to discipline that out of them. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Why, Brother Matt, come up and lead us in a final song.